be on, couple. Won't be seen tonight, so we can bring you a very special episode of The Gen X Files. Welcome to The Gen X Files. I'm Jim. I'm Adam. And today's show is all about Robert, Robert De Niro. De Niro. Yeah. Fuck, I'm... Uh, ooh, I just start swearing immediately. <laughs> That's <laughs> yeah, what's Robert De Niro. I mean, got to throw them f bombs, baby. <laughs> he is quite possibly the one of the greatest actors alive. Well, yeah, uh, I don't think quite possibly. I think it's uh, quite possible. Yeah, he's won a couple Oscars. Probable, even probable. <laughs> <laughs> I would put him near the top of the list. Uh, well, take us back, fantastic. baby. Let's go back to 1973. Ooh, I it was, was a, a it was a good summer for uh, movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, Live and Let Die, the new James Bond movie, had just come out, made like a billion dollars, which isn't true, but it was close. Yeah, is that the theme song for? Yeah. Okay. Live and let die. Oh yeah, there you go. Okay, that was thank you. <laughs> I forgot that was uh, McCartney did that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, uh, Yafat Koto was in. Oh, that's right. Live and yeah, let die. who was also in Midnight Run. Yeah, amazing. Bobby De Niro. Yep, and he yeah. just passed, which is really yeah. sad. But he was a, a great, great actor. Alien. Alien. Yeah. We'll do a Yafat Koto episode at some point. You bet you. Butt. He had not nice things to say about the process of filming Midnight Run. <laughs> he did not Good. like it at all. Good reason to tune in for the Yafat Koto ooh, show. Ooh, that'll be coming sometime in the future. <laughs> yeah. Uh, right after that was American Graffiti, uh, the first feature. Well, not really the first no. feature. THX second feature. The, it was the first one, of, I think, a wide release mm-hmm. for uh, good old Georgie Lucas. Yes, Georgie Lucas. Yeah, that's what he told me. He likes to be called. Yeah. Did he not tell no, you that? No, he does. And also, yeah. I mean, there were a lot of, you know, Harrison Ford. That was one of his first movies. Yeah. And oh, yeah. Also, Ron Howard uh, and, you know, Laverne and Shirley. Like, everybody that was, it was TV. Yeah. It's so funny, like, all those guys went to do, like, 50s TV shows, too. Right. After yeah. being in yeah, a exactly. 50s TV movie. Yeah. yeah. Or not TV movie. 50s yes, movie. Yeah. Things were very... Uh, there was a lot of creativity back then. Well, a lot of synchronicity, you know. Yeah, well, it's not like we don't do that now. Where what? it's like, let's just keep doing, let's do that '70s show. <laughs> yes. Yeah, you know, they're bringing back that '70s show. No, oh. but I mean, that's what it was. You know, at the time, it was I 20 know. years later. It's like it, it's the 20 year cycle. You got to well, do what stuff else from do 20 we years have going? Uh, Enter the Dragon, uh, which I believe was Bruce Lee's last movie. Mm-hmm. Um, um, yeah, I think so. Last released, there was something that he did that was like partially shot. Right, yeah, that, yeah. That, yeah, you know, yeah, yes, big yes, boss yes. There was, like there was, there was something that yeah. I did, yeah, that he didn't get to finish before he was murdered. Um, kind of, uh, and then uh, murdered. Well, he died of a brain aneurysm from a murder. Okay, <laughs> the, the, for the longest time, the the myth was that he died from from a uh, uh, hash overdose or an allergic reaction to hash. Oh, you know, I, I was thinking of Harry Houdini, who got punched in the stomach. That's yeah. what I was, For some reason, I thought he got punched in the stomach and then died, but that's no. not true at all. No. Okay. I don't know who Bruce Lee is. I... No, apparently not. <laughs> apparently <laughs> he's Harry Houdini. my middle name is named after him. So do you think so, Enter the Dragon was like him going into a big milk jug called the Dragon? And yeah, they just, yeah. You know, he escaped wasn't... from it? Yeah. Well, I mean, you know. <laughs> The dra- I don't know. There could be something magical called the dragon. I mean, aren't they magic? And uh, I guess. <laughs> yes. <laughs> After that was Jesus Christ Superstar. Jesus Christ Superstar. My mother's... Who in the hell do you think you are? They said the H-E-Double Hockey Sticks. Wow. Wow. That was my mom's favorite movie. Yeah, it was a lot of mom's favorite movies. His Jesus was pretty sexy in that, if you... He was. Yeah, he was, he was ripped. 
very white in it. <laughs> yes, yeah. uh, but then shortly after that, in October, Mean Streets was released. Nice. Martin Scorsese's uh, – well, I can say his first movie. That's not right either. Man. His uh, first big His release. first big national release. Um, uh, and his first movie he did with Robert De Niro. Yeah, and Harvey Keitel, another longtime collaborator. Yeah, Keitel was so good in that. Oh, Everybody was. And it's so fun to watch them as just babies. Yeah, so young. Oh, Crazy, so young. psychotic babies. <laughs> Uh, so Robert De Niro was born August 17th, 1943 in Manhattan. Uh, he's a true Manhattanite. Uh, still to this day lives there, uh, lives in the Tribeca area, mm. uh, as evidenced by the fact that he has a Tribeca festival and he has uh, restaurants and everything. Yeah. Uh, Nobu, Nobu, which is one yeah. of the most popular, uh, sushi I think, sushi restaurants, restaurants sushi. Yeah. in New York, yeah. um, if it's still open. I don't know. There's if actually a, a one. I think there's one here in L.A. too. Yeah, I remember. they did. I don't, it might have closed. He's a partial there. owner with uh, some famous chef. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He has a few restaurants. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, the the Tribeca Grill, I think, is the other one that he has, or one other that's down in Tribeca mm-hmm. there. Uh, his father, Robert De Niro Sr., and his mother, Virginia Admiral, they met at a painting class. They were I gotta just artists. say, Virginia Admiral. Yeah, is a ridiculously it is, awesome. It name. sounds like a fake name. And if I was De Niro, <laughs> I'd so be amazing. I'd be Robert Admiral. Admiral. <laughs> Fuck De Niro, man. <laughs> That would be incredible. Bobby Admiral. <laughs> they got married and uh, had little Bobby De Niro shortly after. And then a couple of years later, uh, Robert De Niro Sr. came out as gay. Was he an only child? He was. Oh, okay. He was. He, he was makes an only a child. lot of sense. And uh, yeah, his uh, father said, hey, by the way, I'm actually gay. And, and the mother said, all right, we'll get a divorce. And Which is crazy brave for that time. I 1945. Mean, that's, yeah, exactly. That's insane. I mean, you know, I think it was hopefully easier for him being in the art community. But still, yeah, that's, yeah. you know. But even then, I mean, mm-hmm. that's not. You're it was still illegal to be gay, yeah, I think, yeah. pretty much. In a right? lot of states. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, at least sodomy was illegal. Yeah. Still is in some states. Yeah. Yikes. Yeah. <laughs> His father was a, a painter who actually became pretty well known. Uh, mm-hmm. He was part of the New York School of Art, yes. which included Jackson Pollock and de Koenig and Mark Rothko. They're all impressionists. He was not really an impressionist painter. He was more of a figurative painter, but he did some impressionism in, in, involved in his painting. Yeah. He was never super successful as a painter when he was alive. And he actually even said, he was like, I know that once I die that all my stuff's going to get sold for a lot of money. Oh, yeah. And it's true. And well, it true. I mean, if, you, if you're if really curious about Robert De Niro's dad, there's a great documentary on HBO that uh, De Niro mm-hmm. made. Uh, as a lovely uh, it's called back. Remembering the Artist. Yep. Uh, on HBO Max. Yeah, it's 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 really good. It's only about forty minutes, but it's really good. It's really it's nice to see Robert De Niro talking about his father, just how much he cared for him and oh, loved yeah. him. They had a great relationship. Yeah. Uh, his dad was the one that turned him on to movies. He took mm-hmm. him to the movies all the time, and you know it was just it was just uh, it must have been really fun to be raised by two very arty parents. Yeah, you know. yeah. In 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 Bobby De Niro, he 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 paid that back by helping him out many times throughout his life, and 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 they have interviews talking Robert De Niro Senior talking about it, and how how his son would come and help him and and stay with him and stuff. You know, being a, an artist in New York is not the most pro, uh, productive. No, what am I trying to say? The you don't make a lot of money. Yes, exactly. <laughs> it, it's it's a broke, broke it's, lifestyle, it's, yeah, and it's you, not just New York babies. <laughs> no, uh, being an artist anywhere is pretty uh, much not. Yeah. Maybe if you're in like Idaho, you could probably make it work. Uh, Cost of living is low. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I know God knows in, in Iowa. Where you're I like a potato artist. Yeah, potato carving potatoes. Yes. Just, hey, look, hey I light have bulb. I think, uh, potato head. I think I'm going to move to Idaho and become a potato, potato artist. Potato artist. Low overhead. <laughs> 
he grew up in Greenwich Village. He befriended a lot of what they would consider street hoodlums in the day. Uh, it's just like poor kids that were, you know, <laughs> kiting yeah. bread and stuff off the street. You know, just well, like I, they were the original latchkey kids. Sure. You know, I mean, like the parents were working and they because they had to, and right. and they were out in the streets because what else are they going to do? Uh, he he actually went to a private school, so these were all his like street yeah. friends uh, that he hung out with. Called Bobby Milk. Bobby Milk, because he had a very pale complexion. Ugh, what an awful nickname! Yeah, yeah, I can't imagine. He was a very shy kid. He was a very shy kid. Uh, he's a very shy adult too. <laughs> You've never seen him. <laughs> yeah, he's he's a very reserved man. Yeah, uh, saves it for the screen, which is nice. Uh, he was uh, his, his a little weird fun fact. His grandparents actually secretly baptized him. Uh, during his parents' divorce. Oh, man. Yeah, which is a the, good in the move, grandparents. Case. Yeah. Yeah, that's not, I feel like that's overstepping. Look, I'm not against baptism, but you got to get the parents' permission. You yeah, know, you don't yeah. do a secret baptism. No. I no. mean, you know, even God's like, whoa, that ain't cool, people. <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> I need the permission of the parents, and this thing don't count. Yeah, yeah. But because of his parents being artists, he uh, started acting very early. His very first role at the age of 10 was the Cowardly Lion in The Wizard of Oz. He played it, like, really brooding, and he carried a switchblade. And uh, he beat the <laughs> crap out of the Tin Man. Just, <laughs> like, kicked, corn-stomped his face. It out was an nowhere. incredible, <laughs> he was seven, it was an incredible production. Yeah, 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 yeah. It was good. It was good times. Uh, he realized that the acting was a way for him to get over his shyness because he was such a little shy kid. Uh, he was fascinated with the cinema, and he said, uh, and I quote: "Yeah, when I was around eighteen, I was uh, looking at a TV show, and I said, if these actors make a living at, then they're not really that good. I can't do any worse than them." Horrible impersonation, but uh, <laughs> that's what he sounded like when he was but younger. But true, but true, but yes. very true. Uh, he, he, <laughs> yeah. he looked, he watched these terrible actors, and at a very young age was like, these are bad. Can I, can I share a quick story sure. that's related yeah, to that? Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, back during the OJ trial, uh, I don't know if everybody remembers, there was this uh, guy that was living with OJ, um, Kato Kalin. <sighs> You know, he was the houseboy, you know, the guy that, like, if you surgically removed a personality from a human being and, <laughs> and, and replaced it with lima beans, you would get Kato Kalin. Well, at the at, right around that time, uh, they started this all-talk radio station, FM radio station, 97.1. And the, they, it was, like, Howard Stern and a bunch of gross, uh, like, Tom Likas and, you know, oh, just a bunch uh, of really – It was it, they should have just called it the uh, super gross, uh, misogynistic time, uh, yeah. radio hour. But uh, but they gave Cato Kalin a show, and I tuned in, and holy moly, man. It, it was, was the worst, worst thing. I, 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 he was like – I, I don't know I, how I, anybody I, would think that was a good I, idea. I, Cato Kalin and 7.1 – and so that gave me the motivation. He, I was like, this guy is so awful and he has a career. Gave me I, That day I called up the Groundlings, joined the Groundling School. Nice. Where I met our guest, John Falky. Nice. And uh, started this um, this disappointing career. <laughs> <laughs> but seriously, I think a great motivator is, is seeing uh, yeah, yeah. You know, oh, yeah. people that are worse than you doing better 100%. than you. De Niro, Back to a good De Niro, actor, yeah. De Niro loved the acting so much that at the age of 16, he actually dropped out of high school oh, and, yeah. uh, and went to acting school. Now, you were really tough on Carol Burnett when she dropped out of high school. I do believe this was a mistake for yeah. him. I think yeah. he should have at least gotten his, his diploma. Yeah. You're, and, a very, you're a stickler on education. Yeah, I mean, because at the end of the day, I mean, at least high school, yeah. I, I would never encourage people to Because the acting thing, even today in his 80s, it could go away. And he no. would have to, you know, make Fall a living. Fall back on... Yeah. 
What's he going to get? Like McDonald's Being a garbage or something? Man or something? I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, you're right. He blew it. <laughs> he studied at the HB studio. <laughs> he studied at Lee Strasberg's actor studio. And he studied with Stella Adler. Yeah. Uh, very famous acting coach. Yeah, you know, De Niro's an amazing actor. And he uses these tools to get to a place of. Uh, talent that is something you're born with it's yeah. something that he has more so than most people you know just like yeah. a baseball player football player it's talent a lot of people that study the method and the stiller out of the method yeah de niro can be on screen i mean be on set and be like hey i'm gonna be in character yeah. which he's he's he has done yeah. uh, not all the time but, but he does yeah but all you you know your little bone jobs you know doing your ucla uh, student films and <laughs> you know Skitty skits. You don't need to be in character to, yeah, to be, you know, hot dog number six. <laughs> so just relax, people. Okay? If you're in a student film as hot dog number six, you should reconsider what you're doing. Oh, man, I was hot dog number four. Nice. See? Yep. And now mm-hmm. look where you're at. Yep. And I didn't have See? to use the method. I think what you were saying earlier about seeing bad people doing stuff, mm-hmm. like, I think that's true for the people that are bad. Yeah. Because you know that, like, Cato Caitlin saw... Howard Stern and goes, I can do that. Sure. People see De Niro doing this and he makes it look so easy sure. that they're like, yeah, except for the fact that he actually has born talent. Well, the one thing that he does that I 100% agree with is research. Yes. You know? Yes. He prepares. Yes. He I mean, prepares. I, I, you know, when I'm on set, when I'm on set, because I'm always on set. <laughs> God, I sound like such a douche. But when I've done movies, you know, like a uh, carbuncle with. Mm-hmm. T. Arthur, who, Arthur, yeah, yeah, our who was our guest yeah. for Miami Vice. Um, he set up a ton of research for the character. Like, I right. did months and months of research mm-hmm. before we even shot a thing. But it was just, I, I 100% believe in research. But, you know, when the when you know when you yell cut, you know. Y- you're done. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you got to do your homework. That was, that's I mean, just me. I'm, I'm, I'm currently writing a script with a friend, and, and we have been writing this for almost six weeks, eight weeks. And have not put a single word down on paper yet. Like, we've just been doing backstories for all the characters and everything. You've got to do the homework. Take the notes, people. Do the homework. You know. Uh, His early acting career, he was cast in two movies in 1965. Uh, Technically, he he was cast in a a De Palma movie in 63, Mm -hmm. The Wedding Party, which was not released until 1969. So nobody knew who he was. Eventually released on home video by Troma. (laughs) Lloyd Kaufman. Yeah, Yeah. Lloyd Kaufman, the uh, Toxy Avenger Uh, guy. Oh, trauma. They're so good. Uh, yeah, because they'll grab anything that has a name on it. Yeah, so, you know, <laughs> sell it. there was a lot of De Niro on the cover. Let's just... Uh... 1965, he was cast in two minor parts uh, in a movie called Encounter, which I could not find any information about. Hmm. And a movie called Three Rooms in Manhattan, which was shot in New York, but it was a French film. Oh. He was uncredited, uh, which also included an uncredited part from Abe Vigoda. Which, oh, Abe Vigoda. <laughs> which I find hysterical because he's in everything. Oh, yeah. Abe just shows up. I don't even believe Abe died. No, probably not. I think he, I think Abe Vigoda and Andy Kaufman are like oh, sharing yeah. an apartment. They're hiding in, somewhere. Yeah, <laughs> hanging out. In Duluth. <laughs> laughing at everyone. <laughs> yes. Uh, it's interesting that these were French films. His first few movies were French films because he actually spent some time in France with his dad. Yeah. His dad moved to France in 1961 mm-hmm. to paint the countryside because that's what you do as an artist. Wait, to paint the entire countryside? Yeah, he painted it red. He said, I want this red. He's like Kristoff. Yeah. 
<laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> yeah. So uh, after a little bit, uh, Robert De Niro Jr. went with him and uh, hung out with him there. Actually gave him money and, and helped take care of him while he was in, in France. It's his dad. What are you going to do? Yeah. Uh, but I, I, I feel like there is a, co- a corresponding between him being in France there and then getting parts in French movies and all this stuff. I know. The connection. Cor- correlation. Yeah. You're saying yes. that – while in France, yes, he was able to audition for French movies, yes, and be in French movies in France. Yeah, I I don't believe you. Well, I mean, technically, I mean, the only one that I really know was Three Rooms Manhattan, which was shot in New York. <laughs> so, I thought the other one was a French movie too. It was. Yeah. It's all French producers and stuff. So I mean, but my guess is that it's through his dad. Sure. Like it was. You I know, mean, you get in. Yeah, you go to networking. parties, and yeah. my son's an actor, and you know, look at this mole. <laughs> Character itself. <laughs> uh, he had another uh, minor part in a French film in 1968, but then he landed his first major role that was released in Greetings, which was also directed by Brian De Palma. Nice. Um, uh, De Palma and him did a few more movies together after that. Untouchables. Uh, Untouchables. There was also a movie called Hi Mom, which was a sequel to Greetings. Right. It was like a Vietnam satire. Uh, Greetings was, was about guys trying to avoid the draft. Yeah. And yeah. And Hi Mom was a sequel that had nothing to do with that. It was these guys trying to avoid their moms. Well, it was actually the De Niro character was trying to be an actor in New York, and it was it's a super weird movie, and there's a lot of weirdness in it that I'm not going to talk about. There's some really weird scenes. Have you seen it? No, but I read about it, and it was it was like it is available. I think it's available on Amazon Prime. Check it out. But it's uh, got some really disturbing scenes in it, but but purposely so because De Palma is what he does. I would hope that they were purposeful. <laughs> well, well yeah. three people died during the film, and we just kept it in. It was the 70s. <laughs> uh, Greetings was interesting because it was the first movie to receive an X rating, the brand new Ooh. X rating. Although, when it was finally released, it had been appealed down to an R rating. Well, it was, what was it? Why? Was it language, or was it I'm assuming it was nudity? language, yeah. Well, yeah. There were Strong boobs. sexual situations. There were boobs and stuff in it. All the critiques of it that I read were essentially like, yeah, there's a lot of boobs, and there's a lot of swearing, and it's kind of funny, but not really. Hmm. <laughs> so it was, yeah, uh, I don't think it was uh, a very well-received movie. Again, Although, it sounds like reviews of most of the Adam Sandler <laughs> <laughs> But I will say, De Niro did, with all his movies, he was always singled out and said sure. he was really good. Hey, he's been in a lot of stinkers, but he's not a stinker. He doesn't stink no. it up. No, he, he makes everything he's in a little better, at least a little better. Yes. Um, so then 1969 was the wedding party. Uh, even though it was unreleased for six years, they finally realized they could do something with it. And I'm guessing it was more about De Palma than it was about uh, – because Greetings did relatively well. well I'm sure by uh, – in 76? No, no, 1969. No, no, but it was released in 76? No, it was released in 69. It was filmed in 63, released in 69. Oh, okay, yeah. No, I, uh, 100%. It was De Palma, yeah. Because yeah. Yeah. He, was, he was a very up-and-coming uh, director at that time. But I would think that the release in 76 – you know, oh yeah, Master De Niro. Oh yeah, yeah. Time. No, he he became the 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 poster. <laughs> like he was <laughs> literally like it was his, his face on the poster. Uh, so he he kept doing movies for a few years, uh, a bunch of small parts between sixty nine and seventy one, and uh, his last kind of small movie was uh, the gang that couldn't shoot straight in nineteen seventy one. That was uh, based on a piece written by Jimmy Breslin, or written by Jimmy Breslin, Re- yeah. who was uh, one of the most famous uh, columnists in New York. He yeah. he's associated closely with the Son of Sam. Yeah, um, yeah. But yeah, he was. It, it uh, makes sense yeah. because he's him and De Niro probably grew up next to each other. I, I love old newspaper guys. That's oh like, yeah, that's my yeah. thing. Oh yeah, oh yeah. The interesting thing about the gang that couldn't shoot straight was that uh, De Niro actually auditioned for The Godfather. Yeah, 
Uh, he had auditioned for a few different parts. He auditioned for the roles of Sonny Corleone, Michael Corleone, Carlo Rizzi, and Polly Gatto. I don't know if, the cat. if he was offered any of these parts, but ultimately he ended up declining the movie. Yeah, and I'm pretty sure he wasn't offered, no. you know, <laughs> I mean, Michael Corleone was like, eh, I don't think so, fellas. Yeah, I mean, yeah. But he he wanted to do that because the gang that couldn't shoot straight was a comedy, and sure. I, I think he wanted to do that instead. So, uh, Well, you know, right. hindsight's twenty twenty, and you don't, you know, Coppola wasn't super Coppola by then. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, yeah the, the novel was super popular, the Godfather novel. Yeah, but yeah. Again, I think he was probably offered a smaller part, and the part in the gang that couldn't shoot straight was more interesting. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, you know, it's it, it's nice to have that ability to be like, no, nah, no, nah, I'm not going to do this. And good that he did. <laughs> because Godfather too. my God. Oh, uh, he's so good in that. <laughs> in The Godfather two, he was the first actor uh, to win an Oscar for speaking a different while speaking a different language and he's oh yeah several dialects of Sicilian yeah, yeah Sicilian yeah 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 he, that's interesting I didn't know that mm-hmm. um, that's interesting I always found it fascinating when actors uh, learn other languages okay. well he um, learned everything I mean that guy when he did uh, New York New York he learned yeah. how to play saxophone you know yeah yeah hey, here's the thing um, you pay me a lot of money I'll learn how to play the saxophone. Yeah, that's what it's funny because all these people are like, like the whole Kamel Nanjani, like getting ripped. It's like, yeah, you're paying him to work out and giving him a trainer and giving him a dietitian and a chef. And, you know, if someone's going to pay me to to lose weight or gain weight, sure, I'll do it. Everybody listening. We're yeah. taking offers, and we, I, especially I need to lose a little weight. Yeah, somebody give me money, and I'll lose weight. That's fine. Yes. All right. Yeah. So 1973, he did uh, his first big big uh, feature that he was really um, recognized for, Bang the Drum Slowly, mm-hmm. where he was playing a, a baseball catcher yes. who has Hodgkin's disease. He's playing Bobby Hodgkin's. <laughs> Bobby Hodgkin's. <laughs> uh, with Michael Moriarty, it was a very sad movie. Yes. Uh, I just saw it for the first time a couple weeks ago. Also and- another uh, record that you don't know. He uh, he held the record for the biggest, grossest piece of chaw. Oh my god! Stuck in the corner of his mouth of any guy I, playing a baseball player. The first time he started sticking stuff in his mouth, I thought he was eating tootsie rolls. Like they were so big and gross. And I was like, disgusting. "What are you doing?" It was so much chaw. It was so much chaw. Uh, but he was great in it, and he played this kind of dumb Lenny type, and, yeah. and uh, him and Michael Moriarty were... It was it was a really good movie. It mm-hmm. was very sad. And Vincent Gardenia was great in it. He won an Oscar for that. Yeah. Uh, best Supporting Oscar. Yeah. yeah. Best Supporting Actor. Uh, but then, two months later, Mean Streets came out, the first movie that he did with Marty Scorsese. Oh, such a great movie. <sighs> so much energy in that movie. Yeah. This was the first time that De Niro got lost in the part. Like, he was actually kind of criticized by the other actors because he wouldn't talk to them. He mm-hmm. wouldn't do the stuff because he was so lost in his part. And uh, and it works because, I mean, he was he was recognized as being amazing. Well, he and Scorsese and, you know, and, and, and probably uh, Harvey Keitel, oh, they knew Keitel. these guys. Yeah. You know, they yeah. knew these guys that yeah. were playing. Yeah, exactly. They were making the movie about, you know, the guys they grew up with in the neighborhood. Right, right. And there's a pressure there. Uh, you know, I feel, I'm sure De Niro felt a pressure to get it right. Oh, yeah. Because, yeah. you know, all, all of his uh, Goomba buddies. Razzed by his buddies. <laughs> yeah, exactly. for being like, like, what are you yeah, doing? You make us look like fools. But, yeah, you know, I think yeah. I think the pressure of that, you know, is probably part of it, too. Mm-hmm. Totally, totally. So this would uh, not be the last time that he worked with Martin Scorsese. They have Wait, what? worked together nine times. Uh, coming up on ten. Ten, yeah. yeah. Uh, they were actually connected by uh, a very famous producer in Hollywood, Roger Corman. Roger they had Corman. Both worked with Roger Corman. Uh, 
De Niro was on uh, Bloody Mama, mm -hmm. which he did in uh, 1970, which was about uh, Ma Barker yeah. and, and her kids. And uh, he did Boxcar Bertha? Scorsese did Scorsese? Boxcar yeah. Bertha. That Corman directed. Uh, he or not directed, sorry, that produced. produced yeah. um, he. There are a lot of people in Hollywood that come out of this My time. first job in oh, Hollywood, yes. I worked for Roger Corman. That's right. I did right. an internship with him when I was in college. That's crazy. Yeah. I can't even imagine. Oh, it was amazing. Worked in the office for half of it and then worked on a movie for half of it. And the guy has never lost a dime. He has made hundreds and hundreds of movies That's and he's insane. not lost a dollar. He's, made, he's the most profitable movie producer in the history of the world. The that's world. Crazy. God, he, that's amazing crazy. businessman. And the key is everybody that works, you know, he may put out schlocky, crappy, you know, derivative movies, but everybody that works for him has a, a Ivy League degree. You yeah. know, it's, yeah. everybody's from Harvard or he Yale. He surrounds himself with amazing people. That's um, why I didn't get a permanent job. Uh, you, didn't, now, you didn't They did Yale. offer me a job. They offered me craft service on the next feature. I'd have to drop out of college. And I promised my mom I'd finish college, but they uh, offered me this thing. And, and What's uh, smart? You know how much I... I yeah. <laughs> yes, you would have, we wouldn't have been friends. Uh, so 1976, Taxi Driver. Ooh. You uh, know that his... Uh, you talking to me? Yeah. That was improvised. Oh, was mm -hmm. it? Oh, that's The famous line and that was an improvised line. Wow. That's, he was just so in character. Well, I mean, it's like... He was probably in front of that mirror for two days, <laughs> you know? And right, they're just right. trying stuff. And they're like, throw out what you want, buddy. And you just see like, Marty in the corner doing another rail, yeah. going again, again, oh, yeah. again. There was a lot of. I think that was when Scorsese was heavily into cocaine. There's an amazing scene in Taxi Driver uh, between Scorsese and De Niro. And oh Scorsese's yeah, passenger yeah. back, and he's like spying on his wife. I think who's having an affair. Yeah, yeah. And the monologue that he tells is just like it's just it's riveting. It's awesome. Scorsese's a good actor. Yeah, he would throw himself in when he couldn't get anybody else you know he'd throw his mom in his, you know he was great about that good directors should be good actors they should be able to do that mm -hmm. um, and, and he proves that uh, and later being in shark tale he, he was very good in shark tale yeah they were both they like uh, was a shark they with it yeah. yeah and then scorsese was like a puffer fish or something yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. some little guy <laughs> <laughs> uh the year after that 1977 they did new york new york uh musical drama the liza minnelli the only movie on this list i have not seen yeah it's okay um it's not groundbreaking oh liza minnelli's in yeah it. okay yeah. i didn't know that um okay. it's the only movie he made that year uh then again he learned to play saxophone for it so oh yeah see yeah he see he did the, did the homework man did the homework uh 1980 came the big movie the movie that put all of them on the map uh, including Joe Pesci, mm -hmm. Raging Bull. Oh man, the scene, the scenes between De Niro and Kathy Moriarty. You know, like the steak scene. Oh, you that know, is cooking so the steak. The Vito's on purpose. And then the scene between so Pesci awkward. and De Niro, and he's like, Ugh. you know, yeah, yeah, for my wife. I, I feel like my skin's gonna crawl off my body because it's, it's so real. Uh, you know, uh. I mean, the way that it's just so real. Those guys. I mean, talk about chemistry. You know, Pesci and yeah. De Niro. They're another great team. Oh, so good. Goodfellas. So I good. mean, Casino. Goodfellas. Oh, Goodfellas. oh, my God. The Goodfellas is my absolute favorite Pesci performance. I, oh, he yeah. is so incredible in that. And I... De Niro, too. Everybody. Ray yeah. Liotta. I mean, everybody in that. It's oh, a perfect movie. I mean, that's... I think, you know, that, that might be... I love, love, love Raging Bull. But I think as favorite movie, I think it's got to be Goodfellas. That's the one I can watch over and over and yeah, over again. Yeah, yeah, so good. Uh, 83, they did The King of Comedy, a uh, very underrated oh, yeah. uh, movie. Didn't do very well at the box office. Mm -hmm. People weren't ready for something like that. But in terms of dealing with fame 
and fans and obsessive fans. I mean, it's it was very much ahead of its time. And there were scenes between Sandra Bernhardt, who plays another obsessive fan, to Rupert Pupkin, who was De Niro's uh, a character, who's just this delusional guy who wants to be a comedian, yeah. who's just not funny, uh, and he's obsessed with it's, Jerry Lewis. Uh, yeah, and, yeah. and they end up kidnapping Jerry Lewis, and just like the, the weird... You know, competitive obsessiveness. So it, it's such a great movie. So if you so haven't weird. seen it, please check it out. Yeah, it's it's a great movie. Uh, the uh, about eighty seven uh, at that point, he was he did the Untouchables with De Palma, great uh, playing movie. Al Capone, where he did a, he gained weight again, again, much like he did in R- Raging Bull. Yeah, sixty pounds 60, in Raging Bull. God, that's crazy. I can't even imagine that. Uh, I did a movie. I did that Carmuncle again. Carmuncle, yeah. <laughs> it's like it's kind of <laughs> a little, movie. Yeah. But I I uh, played a character when he was in his twenties and in his forties, and he was an alcoholic, and and so I wanted to like show what it was like the damage to your body. So I would gain thirty pounds to play the older guy, oh. and then you know the, we shot it over a couple of years, and you know it was catch as catch can, no budget, and so I would have to drop and lose weight. You know, be like, all right, we're shooting the young guy next week, so no more cheeseburgers. <laughs> aye, aye. But I mean, I couldn't imagine sixty uh, no. thirty pounds was super uncomfortable, yeah, and I yeah. felt gross. Yeah. I couldn't imagine putting sixty pounds on. That's that's de- again, somebody wants to pay me to put sixty <laughs> pounds on. Hundred percent, I'm in. It's a little easier, yeah. Uh, so so after the Untouchables, he uh, he was actually looking for comedies. Uh, Scorsese, Scorsese actually asked him to play Jesus in the Last Temptation of Christ. That was such a great comedy. <laughs> well, that's what I think that's part of the reason that he turned it down is because he wanted to do comedies. Right. And after The Untouchables, he was kind of, you know, like, oh, I'm going to change up. Uh, he did tell Scorsese, he did tell him that if he absolutely needed to, he would do it. But Scorsese was smart. I'm so good. I'm so good. Yeah. You know, but he got Willem Dafoe to do it. And it was I would have loved to see a 40 something year old, you know, De Niro playing Jesus, <laughs> Italian Irishman playing Jesus. <laughs> Uh, so he actually sought out because he wanted to do comedies. He actually sought out uh, a new movie being made by Penny Marshall called Big. Ooh! And Penny Marshall was all about it. She was like, "Yeah, you will be perfect." Are you kidding me? Of course. Yeah. I mean, I would have loved to see Big. Yeah. You know, I mean, Tom Hanks was amazing, but it would, it would have, have been, been a very different yeah. movie. A very well, I say different movie, but it would have been it would have been way more interesting. Seeing him play a ten year old. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, come on, man. That would have yeah. been amazing. It would have been crazy. <laughs> but unfortunately, the studio said, nope. I wouldn't want to know what the research would have been for that, though. Oh, no. Like, no. I'm, I'm going to go live with the 10-year-olds I... for, for, for six months. <laughs> the The studio turned it down, and, and they got Tom Hanks instead. So he Wait, sought what? out. I know, I know. It's, which when did this happen? to me. 1988. Oh, yeah. okay. And uh, he, just, he still wanted to do a, a comedy, so he sought out uh, Martin Brest, who did uh, Beverly Hills Cop. And he was in Midnight Run. Oh, man. One of the best comedies ever Midnight made. A perfect Run. movie. Yeah. Oh, man. Such a great movie. And we'll probably talk a little bit more about that with our very special guest coming up after this promo. Yeah. Our good pal, John Falky. Yeah. Excited about that. Our very, 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 very special guest is a actor, a writer, an improviser, an amazing artist who has uh, created uh, several graphic novels. He is a father of dogs and a husband and a great friend, and I love him, Mr. John Falky. How you doing, John? I'm doing good, Jim. How's it going? Good. Thanks for being on, man. Yeah, yeah. It's great to be here. Appreciate I'm excited it. to, uh, yeah, I'm excited. Yeah, we can hear it in your <laughs> voice. <laughs> 
Oh, man. So, <laughs> so Robert De Niro, um, what was your first brush with him? Like, when did you notice him? I, I was just going to comment, like, I, you know, I was trying to keep myself contained because that's how I see him. He's very... Yes. Very contained. There's a lot of contained rage, mm-hmm. so I just wanted to embody that. <laughs> I think you're in my you're in my relationship. A lot of it with you is contained rage. <laughs> on, on your part. On your part, part for <laughs> for dealing yeah. with me. Uh, I understand. There's that. been times. <laughs> um, you know, I I remember my dad talking about him. Um, my dad had done some acting when he was in the army, and I remember him just comparing. The acting style, he said, he, you know, it's not like John Wayne. It's like he really becomes the character. And I was like, all right, I don't know who this guy is. I never, <laughs> you know, for like several years, even after I saw like a movie or two, I couldn't picture him in my mind because he's kind of like this everyman look, oh, yeah. you know, just in his appearance. But I remember um, <laughs> my parents took me when I was 12 to see Raging Bull. <laughs> That's a good parenting. <laughs> there was Which, a different time back then. If you remember, it's a pretty adult movie, but um, yeah. yeah, I think that was my first time what? in a theater watching him. <laughs> and and how did that uh, how did that go? You know, I think <clears throat> I remember you know being kind of titillated by the language and sex and stuff, and just I didn't comprehend it. I didn't think it was until like repeated viewings as an adult that I like understood and appreciated it but it, you know I, I thought it was interesting and because my dad admired him it kind of made me inter- interested in him and then you know then I started seeing some other movies and then as I got interested in acting myself mm-hmm. he became somebody that I looked at all of his work oh yeah now now when you went to see Raging Bull at 12 after the movie did you and your parents have a discussion you know what I think they took like a, me- a less is more approach with that one <laughs> <laughs> how did he influence you because people don't know or maybe you do uh john's an incredible actor he's been doing it for no seriously he, he yeah johnny definitely. and i yeah. he's the guy that i've acted the most i think in my life with we've been in uh commercials and tv shows and on stage and in movies and uh and he's a he's a master of the craft and always somebody that makes me better. And I, and I, and it's because you do the work, you know, you work hard and it seems like you kind of have the same work ethic as, uh, as Mr. De Niro. Uh, you're, you're very kind. I think you're right. We probably have worked together. <clears throat> probably work with you more than any other actor. Um, I think, yeah, the preparation is, was always, or is always, um, impressive. And I gotta say, you know, like the, era from bang the drum slowly mean streets through like the late 80s is probably my favorite oh, of his yeah. stuff and i would put like pacino and hoffman and some other actors hackman as my favorite era for them too yeah. um but uh you know i think growing up in an italian american family where uh <laughs> let's just say there was occasional angry outbursts what uh no. the, the contained rage that I feel like he brought to a lot of those younger performances, uh, spoke to me, um, just on a personal level. And then, you know, obviously just taking the art form to another level, um, you know, kind of where Brando left and Dean Montgomery Cliff left off, De Niro and Pacino and those guys kind of picked up. And so, 
the Italian American thing, I think, was interesting, and then just the choices of roles. Oh yeah. Um, and a lot of times, it, it seems like, you know, he's so consistent. There's not a lot of flash all the time, although there's been some flashy roles. To me, I always think of scenes, and or sometimes even individual lines that like just stay with me, um, because he. You know, I don't think he really pushes, although occasionally, like I said, there's been some flashy parts. And so I've, I've always thought that was really interesting because I never, I don't, I don't really ever see the acting, at least in those early roles. No. Um, so I'm not saying that that <laughs> I carry on that torch, but I definitely, um, that's something I definitely admire and that I really appreciate in other actors. You also, is really, really good for other actors. He listens, and just from the anecdotes I've heard about working with him, he's very, very generous. And, you know, like, the obvious thing is when another actor is in a close-up, a lot of times the other actor will, who's off-screen, will either not be there at all or will just be kind of phoning it in. And, like, he doesn't, like, like, let go of performance when he's not on camera because... You know, as you guys know, like it's a collaboration. Sure, not just yeah, about yeah. And it's all people. yeah. It's all about the project for him. And so those yeah, are the things yeah. that I admired. Against. I don't know if that answers your question. But no, it did. That, of course. Was, was you get a, you get a pass on that one. That was pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> um, those, those early roles, thanks, like the, the bang the drum slowly, and well, not so much that, but like tax driver and stuff like that. I feel like it was very indicative of the time, and, sure. and that it was a lot of guys come back from Vietnam, and and of course that then culminating in Deer Hunter and like dealing with the after effects of that kind of thing. But I felt like those movies really kind of he was able to to personify that and like that kind of rage of like yeah. i wasted my youth yeah. like what the hell well yeah. and also like you were saying john with pacino and hackman and uh um the little guy or a little guy from tootsie uh hoffman, hoffman. <laughs> you know those guys weren't i think they're all pretty little that's <laughs> yeah, true yeah. but they also weren't your typical there was a, a shift in hollywood you know, a shift in storytelling and a shift in uh, what a star was. And uh, I think for, uh, at least for me, you know, seeing people that were, weren't were just these beautiful, you know, perfect teeth, yeah. you know, guys up there, just like these flawed, you know, normal people that were doing great work. That's what kind of was, I was like, oh, man, I, I think I could do this. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they all came up at the right time. Like Christopher Walken, man, mm-hmm. like he is not an attractive man. Well, he was. <laughs> I mean, he was a very pretty man back in the day, and he was a child actor. But it was it was definitely of his time. Yes, yeah. yeah. I love Christopher Walken, and I think he's beautiful. <laughs> he, he, he's so good. I just I just rewatched last week because I knew we were going to be talking about this. Uh, Deer Hunter oh, and uh, Walken, so amazing, and yeah. it's so great. Because it's like Walken and John Savage, and I'm probably saying his name more wrong, John Cazale, mm-hmm. and De Niro, and Meryl Streep, and George Zunda. Jeez, yeah. And, Meryl um, Streep is so good in that movie. Just like, they're all such different types in the way they bounce off each other. I mean, that movie is like, I mean, it's a little probably slow in parts, like, you mean the 45 minute so, wedding? So, <laughs> <laughs> Let's dance. But, but, it, but it's really, I feel like it's really a masterpiece, like, of, like a time period and a place like, like preserved in amber. I mean, there's so much detail to that town and their like Russian Polish heritage and, you know, 
everything, including De Niro's performance, is so, like, I don't know. It, it, yeah. When you look at it, every Chimino, like, film that every shot is arguably like a painting, you know, it's just so, and, uh, well, for me, I don't know. I, for it, me, it was like one, it was such an immersive film. You know, it was a world, a depressing world, a sad world, but a real world. And it was like, it was so emotionally uh, effective because you got to know these characters so well before their lives were destroyed, you know, for the most part. We make jokes about the wedding, but if the wedding scene wasn't there, the movie would not have the same impact at all. It's so great, like, to see the moments, yeah, in the wedding where De Niro is, like, looking at Streep and they're making eye contact and you see him falling in love with her. Or maybe yeah. he's already been in love with her for yeah. a while. And then when he runs down the street and takes off all his clothes, I mean, it's just like, that's probably shit that Jim and I would do. <laughs> Adam, I've, I've never had an experience like that with you, but uh, you know, <laughs> life, life ain't over yet. Yeah, exactly. yeah, it's I got still time, time baby. God, such a great film. Such a hard film to watch, though. I mean, the there's so much pain in that film, and it's so well done. The reason why it's so hard to watch, I think, is because it's realistic. It's not cloying or overly done or like, you know, love story like, oh, you know, love means never having to say you're sorry. You know, it's just like you feel for these people because the pain is so real. Yeah, it is. It's definitely not a film you want to watch if uh, you're looking to, 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 you know, get get a a lot of laughs. Performance wise, to, to me, like there's like like a series of moments like. You know, I was talking about moments with De Niro and like that that first hunting trip where John Gazelle doesn't bring his boots and like De Niro refuses to give him the boots and they have that whole thing oh, yeah. back and forth and then Christopher Walken grabs the boots and like throws them at John Gazelle and, and asks De Niro, you know, what's the matter with you? Like Walken is like the is the guy that the glue that keeps everybody together. Yeah. And that's why it's so interesting that in the end, like he's the one that you know, has that, well, there's several tragedies, but he has, <laughs> yes. the, the, yeah. he's the one that loses his life, uh, spoiler alert, but, um, yeah, don't like, spoil it, 50 year old movie, <laughs> <laughs> but that, that moment, so, like, demonstrates, you know, the, the, the action of his character, and then, it, then you believe when he's the one that, you know, leads the escape from the, um, from the prison camp, oh, yeah. the, the, at the, at the side of the river or whatever. I, it's not a movie I want to watch a bunch. <laughs> no, 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 no. 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 It's definitely worth seeing. If you haven't seen it, definitely watch it. Even yeah, though a, uh, John yeah. spoiled the ending for you. What is your favorite uh, performance of his? Do you have one? I mean, I, you know, I guess probably got to go with Raging Bull yeah. for both Joe Pesci and Nero. Yeah. Just overall because of it, they're Again, it's like such a piece of art. It's timeless and very, very stylized in its way. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, I love Midnight Run. It's probably my favorite comedy of all time. Oh, it's hilarious. I mean, um, it's so, so well done because funny. it's all the comedy is one hundred percent based in reality. Yeah, pretty much. You know, I mean, the shooting the plane, yeah. or whatever. But but even that, you know, he it's like it's like shot a helicopter. Like, wait a bit. Yeah, it's like he's he's more surprised than we are. You know. <laughs> That's the beauty of it, and that's kind of when we figure that, you know, De Niro was an amazing straight man. Yeah. Oh, did you ever, guys ever read the book that Roden wrote called It Would Be So Nice If You Weren't Here? 
He no. talks about making the movie. No, no, no. That's a fucking great book. First of all, um, that, that's the best thing Grodin has ever done. I think. I mean, to my knowledge, I haven't seen every you know, everything he's ever done. Obviously, but he talks about what it was like working with the Narrow, and that part was almost played by Robin Williams. And I'm sure it would have been a good movie, but. Charles Grodin's performance of playing off De Niro, like you said, Jim, yeah. the straight man, so brilliant. The writing, <laughs> and every actor from like the one-liner people all the way through the stars are so fucking good. So good. You know? Yafet Kodo. Kodo. Yeah. <laughs> He's hilarious. And, uh, what a great actor that guy was. Dennis Farina. Yeah, Dennis Farina. Oh, my yeah. God. That guy. I love Dennis Farina. Dennis Farina's great. Joey so Sands. if you go... If you go back, I was talking about Contained Rage, if you go back and watch that final scene in the airport where they're trying to get the discs, mm-hmm. or give or get the discs, I forget, from Serrano. He, does, he takes them, yeah. yeah. character. And how he, they have that moment where all the FBI's around, and like Serrano doesn't know the FBI's coming to get him, but he talks to De Niro and, and tells him, you know, basically, and De Niro can't give it away, so he can't lose his temper. <laughs> yeah. just, if you just watch that scene, I mean, it's like such a fucking master class. I actually like him a lot in Meet the Parents. Yeah, um, yeah. Well, those are good movies, I think yeah. that, that, that It's a well-done movie, and, like, you know, he's good in comedies, but, yeah, he's he's definitely cashed some checks. <laughs> Sometimes you just got to take a check. But, I mean, come on, Cape Fear, amazing movie. Goodfellas, you know. Oh, yeah. Um, we're well. We're no angels. It's okay. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but Stanley and Iris, you know, it's like that's such a, a, a you know, wasn't he a, an illiterate? Was is that the one where he's an illiterate guy riding the thing? And or is that the just the one where he kind of falls in love with Jane Fonda? I, I can't remember. Mm, Stanley and Iris, I think, is when he learns to read. Yeah, but it wasn't like and, a cloying, you know. No, no, no. Yeah, and you know, I I I, I said earlier that. You know, he has that everyman appearance, but I don't like him in the everyman roles. Hmm. Like, I like him, like, when he's just, you know, like, guilty by suspicion or just, or he's kind of just, I don't actually even love, maybe it's the character in uh, the Tarantino movie, um, Jackie Brown. Like, when he's just just sort of like like an everyman without some kind of, really fucked up right. part of his personality. Because even in Midnight Run when he's the straight man, you know, he's he has that whole history. Sure. You know, which I don't know how much of it was in the script and how, how much of it like he built up for himself, but like you feel it build oh, yeah. you that, know through the circumstances. So much tragedy in that character, you know. From yeah. his wife and his job and you know There was it was a lot of him uh, working with the director and uh build, yeah, kind of rewriting the character as they went. The other thing I was thinking about is like Mean Streets, which to me it's all about the pool hall fight scene, you know. Oh yeah. I'm a mook. What's a mook? All that stuff. Yes. Um, and then the, the cop comes and he's like, "Oh, let me give you some pocket money. Where are you going? You know, you going to Connecticut? Oh, I'm going to Philadelphia. You know, and he gives him more money or whatever. Um, it, he's like a fool in that movie. Yeah. He, he's like the he's a tragic. He's kind of like a tragic fool loser, which. I guess the Jackie Brown character is kind of a loser, but like, um, like a three-time loser or whatever. But a less dynamic um, loser, you know, yeah. just kind of a blah. Think, yeah, but he didn't, he doesn't get to play that character much, or maybe he hasn't chosen yeah. that character much. But um, he, um, he's so great. That energy is so great 
um, I'd love to <laughs> love to see him do that more. Me too. And yeah, another role that I think is really underrated in a movie that I love is uh, King of Comedy, Rupert Pupkin. Yeah. So one last question. If you could have any one of his parts, if you were offered them, mm-hmm. what, what would you take? What would you want? What would be the dream part mm-hmm. for you? I guess I would look at it from the like, Rocky what, what would be. <laughs> <laughs> well, who was he? Because I never saw it. Was he Rocky or Bullwinkle? He was no, the he was supreme, the, the bad leader guy. The, the, the Russian. Guy, the guy that leads Natasha team. and yeah. Boris. Boris. If I he could have Boris. one of his parts, like where it was a remake or like. No, like he like, he didn't make it. So there's no, you're not going to be compared to him. Like if there was a part that you, he was just like, man, I wish that would have been my jam. That's a good question. Can I tell you which I one think... I think you would do? Which I think you would be good at. Okay. Raging Bull. Huh. Yeah. I mean, that would be super, super challenging, right? If there was any moment, if I could just be in a, in one scene of his, it would be when Albert Brooks is escorting him out of the office in Taxi Driver, so I could pull that martial arts move on Albert Brooks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which is like it's in a long <laughs> shot, but that's like that's like maybe my favorite thing he's ever done because like he doesn't use martial arts anywhere else. No, and you know, you know, he fucking studied for probably months so that move would right. look realistic, and it's just like in the background of a scene. You have pulled that move on me, I don't know, twenty times since we've known each other. Mostly when yeah. you were younger, yeah. when we first met, and you were you were super like fit and into your karate and I was like a long haired chubbo and you uh, maybe just... I might have been under the influence one or two times when... yeah. wow. no <laughs> well John thank you so much for being our guest uh, you definitely yeah. know you're De Niro <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's good to have a nice yeah. intellectual conversation about uh, a fantastic actor with a fantastic oh, actor with fantastic can, can I add one more thing sure. um, yeah. I don't know if you know if you guys will find this interesting but like Talking about Raging Bull, the performance by Nicholas Colasanto, who went on to play Coach on Cheers, is yeah. phenomenal. Oh, yeah. And uh, oh, that yeah. is, I, yeah. I'm always looking at performances, and that is such a great performance. I wish I would have seen more of that guy. Same. And what range from going from that to Coach, you know, one of the most beloved characters <laughs> of all time. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. But you can see the character in the other, in both directions mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> you, know, exactly. you can see the humor in his character in raging bull and the charm and then you can see occasionally a little bit of the of the contained rage in coach when he loses his temper so, yeah no, that's very that's a stupid like when he gets ripped off by the um harry anderson you know the gambler or whatever. <laughs> yes yes yeah man now i want to watch well we're gonna have to have you back for the cheers episode be our guest. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> well, we are definitely going to have you back, man. It was so much fun to talk to you. Do you have anything coming up you want to plug or talk about? Um, no, just thank you so much. It was uh, it was really fun, and uh, thanks for letting me be a part of this. I'm really uh, a fan of your show, and um, yeah, look forward to hearing more episodes. Awesome, man. Thanks, we're, man. We're thanks for being on. Definitely a fan of yeah. you. Yeah, You're big welcome. fan. Big uh, fan. Johnny and I have known each other for 20-something years. And uh, Mm -hmm. he's one of the only ones that is still my friend. So (laughs) way to stick with it, Pally. (laughs) I appreciate it. And and for many years, we we shared the same first three prefixes of our phone number. Yeah. Not 
not the area code. Wow. Yeah, eight one eight and seven five two. Wow. And that's that was like the first time we ever spoke. Yeah. First, uh, I introduced myself. There was a call sheet on the groundlings class that we were both taking, and I said something like, "Hey, man, I saw that we both are seven five two, so maybe we live close to each other and we can carpool sometime." And that was like the beginning. And I was like, nice. "Screw you, weirdo! Go away!" No. Yeah, he, he was like, oh, "See you later, stalker." <laughs> See you later, tallo. You're um, so tall. <laughs> Why wow. are you so tall? That, that's that's usually my first impression of people, <laughs> and then they get to know me. I we did. I just you know pop this in. We did go through the Groundlings uh, together, which is an improv mm-hmm. uh, school in Los Angeles. And man, John Falky is one of the funniest improvisers and sketch comedians that uh, I've ever seen. He was on uh, what show was it that you played a dog on UPN? Mm. Good news. Good news. Yeah. It was the best dog performance anybody's ever given. And <laughs> no, I mean, taking out of context, it makes no sense. But yeah, I, I played a guy who was pretending to be a dog. Ah, the best thing to come out of that Groundlings experience was our friendship and our working friendship, man. And I appreciate you. Thanks, man. I love you. Uh, I love working with both you guys. And uh, same, man. Same. Yeah. It's, uh, Looking it's forward to more. Things. Much more. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Brought it around to the love fest. Yeah, yeah. Yep. We've come a long way. <laughs> yes, we have. It was a journey, baby. <laughs> well, Johnny, thanks again, man. You have a great day, and we will talk to you soon. Sounds good. Later, man. Thank you. That was great. And I, I love Johnny. I love talking to Johnny. He is it's, so great. This is the worst thing about the pandemic, is that I just have not seen anybody, yeah. and, and let alone the people I find the funniest yeah. in a long cool. time. He's awesome. Man, Robert De Niro, look, if you live long enough as an actor, and you go through different phases, you know, and you're not always going to be the best actor, and I guess unless you're Meryl Streep. She's the only one that kind of has that <laughs> string going. You know, she doesn't have a lot of stinkers, but, you know, you got to make money, and you got to do your thing. And I think a lot of times these actors kind of become parodies of themselves, you know, like Pacino, you know, doing that. They can be, yeah, the, yeah. Pacino, you yeah. know, the, the, the Jack and Jill. Jack and oh Jill, my you God. know, it's like once you're in an Adam Sandler film, <sighs> your career's over. Um, I love that part. Actor. But, uh, but, you know, even though there are like Bad Grandpa and, you know, there's a few – uh, yeah, definitely, probably cash grabs. He's probably got a bunch of kids yeah. he's got to support. Yeah, he's still doing the Irishman. He's still doing yeah. you know great work. So it's, we're still getting the De Niro that we love, you know. And even when we get the De Niro that's that's not as you know, it's not a great movie. It's still he's really fun to watch, and you he know he still does the work. Makes everything better. He uh, doesn't, you know, even in Bad Grandpa or whatever. You know, he's not just uh, coasting his way through. He still does his. You know, Still does his research, and he's still a, a good part of a bad film. He surrounds himself with good people and, and understands that. Yeah. And this is what allows him to do the stuff that it's like, yeah, oh, I wouldn't expect him to be in Rocky and Bullwinkle. But he's just kind of like, whatever, man. Why not? I'm... Yeah, I think that was kind of the beginning. Because I can't remember more, you know, that, that must have been like a cash grab for him. I can't remember. I think that was like the first movie when I was like, what is he doing? And But, you know, yeah, whatever. We get to see him dancing movie. around yeah. with a, you know, weird... Animated. Maybe accent. he was. Maybe he's just a huge Rocky and Bullwinkle fan. Could be. I mean, I, <laughs> maybe that was his lifelong dream was Could to be. act opposite Rocky and Bullwinkle. I, I, you I know, know, he was the last person to see John Belushi alive. Really? Mm-hmm. I did not know that. Yeah, on March fifth, uh, what was it, nineteen eighty-two? Yeah. Um, he visited him at three a.m. at the um, Chateau uh, Marmont. The Chateau Marmont. Mm-hmm. 
for a little while, and he saw him all jacked up on um, cocaine and heroin, and was like, I can't hang. You know, you're just yeah. too... It's a little much. And then he, uh, the next day, he was found dead. All right, well, on that note... <laughs> <laughs> well, but, hey, he's still around. He's still making I, movies. He's still making movies. He's still doing great. Um, Definitely check out his oeuvre of films. Oh, my he, God, there's so many. He's got so many great movies. And there's something for everybody. Yeah. You know, there's comedies, there's dramas, there's... Yeah, you yeah. Know. I mean, if you're more a fan of comedy, go see, you know, Meet the Parents and, and all those comedies he did in the 90s mm-hmm. and the early 2000s. And the three or four Meet the Parents movies. Oh, my God, there are so many of them. And then I liked his relationship with uh, the cat, Mr. Jingles. Mr. Jingles. Was that his name? Mr. Yeah, Jingles? Mr. Jingles, who learned who to pee in the toilet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, he was a, he was a, <laughs> it was funny. My, uh, I had a cat in college, and I brought him home uh, when I got out of college, and my stepdad was a, uh, he hated cats, hated them. Mm. To the point where he would, like, sick the dog on them. He hated them. And uh, and one day he was like, uh, eh, why don't you bring that cat down? And so I brought it down. First thing it did was jump in his lap. They became best friends. Uh, of course. I left yeah. the cat there. And it, it, so when I saw Meet the Parrots, it just completely reminded me of Ray and Grimley, you okay, know, yeah. in their relationship, Aww. which was awesome. Yeah. So there's a happy note to end on. Yay. How's that? Well, thanks for listening. Uh, We'll be back next week with a wonderful episode about 80s metal. Ooh. Yeah, I'm excited about that one. Well, you you weren't so excited about this one? Uh, No, De Niro. (laughs) I'm a little upset because he never showed up. He was supposed to show up, but he never showed up. You teased it for weeks. I know. I'm sorry. I'll have my people call his people and see what happens. A little bit late? (laughs) A little bit late? Thanks a lot for joining us. We'll see you all next week. Roger Moore in it, I believe? Yes, Was and Yafet yeah. Koto. Oh, and Yafet Koto. Sorry, sorry. It just sounded like a bird hit the window. <laughs> we now return you to your regularly scheduled programming, Freaky and the Bean, already in progress. <laughs> <laughs>